I'm going to read some verses from Esther chapter 5. And hopefully we'll be able to learn something together. It came about me from the American Standard Version. Now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in a court of the king's palace in front of the king's rooms. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. When the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight. And the king extended to Esther the golden scepter which was in his hand. So Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. Then the king said to her, What is troubling you, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even to half of the kingdom, it shall be given to you. If you have been about in your life for the past 20 or so years, you'll have heard me speaking from this portion. It's one of my favorite portions. It's one of the very first, if you like, preaches I ever did in my life. Hopefully, as you grow, you learn a bit more and adapt it. My consolation is you forget everything I've ever said before anyway. So that's my comfort and my consolation today. And it is an incredible picture. And it was one of the, just before COVID, some of you might remember, I'd done a 12-week series. It's the only time I've ever done a 12-week series. About, and it was entitled Living the Third Day. It's something, a subject which is really close to my heart. I'll bring out a little bit about that, but it's not really everything this morning, and I want to continue, and Esther and Pastor David preached a great word last Sunday, if you didn't hear it, I'd encourage you to get it about Esther, and we're just continuing from there, and that's why my title is What Esther Did Next, okay, Uh, from the title today, but he talked about how opportunities are God's responsibility, timings are God's responsibility, but bringing the two of them together is our responsibility. In the time of God and opportunity, we have a responsibility to seize those opportunities in the timing of God. And I want to tell you, here is a timing opportunity that Pastor David shared about Esther uh, last week. And just want to continue, but with a different theme around it. Just a little bit of background is needed. The Jews were under threat because of a wicked man named Haman. This is our Bible readings for this uh, month. Uh, we've not quite finished Esther yet, as Heather made reference to, but it's an incredible book. Even though God is not specifically mentioned, it's an incredible book about God moving all over in his hand and providence all over it. But the Jewish people are under threat of a wicked man named Haman, who had the king's ears, so to speak. But Esther was made under the providence in time of God, Esther was made queen and into a place where she could do something about it and encouraged by her relative Mordecai to come and do something in the time to change the situation. And that's where the phrase, um, who knows whether you've come to kingdom for such a time as this. It's an incredible phrase. And I want to tell you, I mean, I, I've had a great week. I don't know about you. I do care if you've had a great week or not, but I've had a great week. I've had a, a, a week of inspiration, to be honest. I was at a, an AOG thing overnight with some leaders, then a, an overnight with 200 leaders from Scotland, pray for Scotland, the time praying fasting in, in Shira Grange, uh, up near Falkirk, Grangemouth area. I had a, an overnight at 7 to 10 on the Tuesday night, then 7 to 10 on the Wednesday morning, time of fasting with 200 leaders from different denominations, different fields, different things, incredible time, and a sense of God is at work. 
there is a real sense of God is at work here. And then Pastor Dave and I were up at Glasgow on Thursday. It's been a busy week, but a great week. Uh, and a launch of the Franklin Graham uh, crusade in the Oval Hydro on the 22nd of June. you hear a lot more about that next week, but you need to put it in your diaries. And a sense of, somebody says there's 350 people there, leaders from Scotland, different churches, buying into this. No, and I want to explain, I believe we're in key moments in our life, okay? And based on what David says about the opportunities and the timings of God, four times this week I have heard the phrase, for such a time as this. I believe from four different people on four different occasions saying, for such a time as this. I want to tell you, we're here for such a time as this. And we need to take the opportunities that are given, whether it's the Franklin Graham, whether it's Cumnet, it's Cumnet, we're there for such a time as this. We're here for such a time. God is at work. I'm excited because there's a sense that God is doing something. Things are beginning to change in the world, in our atmosphere, and in spiritual realms. And we're here, and we need to seize our day, carpe diem, whatever you want to call it. But this is our time. This is our day to seize what God is doing and buy into the opportunities that are given and see what only God can do. This book of Esther, it's more than a historical book. There's some principles and lessons that we can take and the people, as people who God has placed here for our time just now. We need to recognize that the Old Testament has got great pictures and sometimes typology and pictures of New Testament principles and of Jesus. And I believe that this is one of them. It's when Esther approaches the king Ahasuerus. She was put into a position where she can come into the king's presence. Listen, we don't have a king. We have the king of kings. Our king is King Jesus, not just a human king. But there's three particular lessons we can learn because every good sermon has to have three points. There, I remember, well, he preached once, it was at five or seven. He says, I spit on your three points. I've got five or seven points that he had in his. However, this morning we have three points. And it starts here. Now, it came about on the third day. Now, it was the third day of a fast period that we're having. We were in the 19th day of a fast period we're having. After today, only 10 to go. Hang in there, okay? But, you know, I want to tell you, when God's people pray and fast, things happen. Things happen. Things change and things happen. And here they were in a day of fasting and praying. But that phrase, third day, not many versions say the fast. And if you look through Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, there's pictures that says on the third day, it could be the third day of a feast, third day of a journey, third day of a fast, a third day of celebration. It could be a third day. But that phrase gripped me as a fairly young Christian. And I believe God was showing things. You don't have to believe it, but I'll believe it, that God was showing this is what it means to be living in the third day. This is what it means living in the third day day. There's lessons and principles that we can learn here about what it means about third day living. What are you talking about, Jim? Glad you asked the question. On the third day, we know that Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the grave. And we need to live our lives based on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Okay? You need to really hear me correctly on this. You really do. Please listen and don't hear what I don't say, but please hear what I do say. Okay? Good Friday was incredible. Good Friday, Easter Friday was incredible. When Jesus took all our sins, became sin for us, died instead of us, brought forgiveness for us, brought salvation, brought right standing before God. What happened on Good Friday was incredible. I love the old hymn as well. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, 
my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I thank God for Good Friday. I thank God for Good Friday. I thank God for Calvary. I thank God that Jesus took all my sins. And today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've maybe got a hundred billion theories and faults in your life. I want to tell you, Jesus died to take them from you. He took your punishment. He took your sin. He took it all one Friday afternoon in Calvary. And we sing a song, or we sang it last week, about blessed assurance. And there's a line in it, and what he done on Calvary is more than enough for me. Let me say it's not quite. Ooh. Somebody's already right to AOG, Pastor Jim Theology about rubbish, yeah. Okay. Please hear me right what I'm saying. Okay. What he did in Calvary was great. He cried at his finish. The punishment for our sins was taken. But this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope is in Christ only for this life, we have the most people on earth to be pitied. Okay, please hear me right. I'm not saying don't sing the song because it's a great song. And Calvary is great. But there's a, in the Old Testament, the, the priest once a year would go into the, and make a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And told him into the very holy of holies, the holy place, the priest would go in and make a sacrifice. They knew that God had accepted it because he came out and wasn't just burnt and struck down dead. He left the people, he went into the Holy Falls, done the sacrifice once a year, and then God accepted that the priest then came back out amongst the people. Not once a year, but once for all time. Jesus, our great high priest, took his sacrifice, and God accepted it. Then Jesus came back amongst his people to show the sacrifice has been accepted. This has been accepted. It's been accepted, and you're free. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. So listen, Calvary, what he did for me is more than enough, as long as you include Sunday, that he rose and showed it is more than enough. And so often, too often, here's the deal. Too often, I've known Christians, I'm trying to be as careful as I can with this. There's too many Christians who focus on Friday all the time. Thank God for Friday. And you need to appreciate Friday. And there's an old song that says, keep Calvary green in your heart. And we need to keep fresh what Jesus did. And we need to thank God. But so many people still focus. Not empty here, but other people that I know. And they keep saying, oh, I'm, I'm a bad person. Thank you, God. And it's kind of almost like humbling themselves. And saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. My heart is, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. But listen, but Jesus doesn't want us to stay on Friday. Jesus didn't ask us to stay on Friday. He took Friday so that we could live on Sunday. And we could live in the resurrection and the victory and the grace and the favor that Sunday brings. Thank God for Friday. But too many Christians stuck at Friday and it's all about Calvary. Thank God for Calvary. But listen, it's not us who should be living in Calvary. Jesus took 
okay. We appreciate it. Never don't appreciate Calvary, but we need to live on the third day of resurrection and victory and life and promise that God gave. And these pictures in the Old Testament, what does that look like? Basically, three things that Esther did to practice third day living. She put on her royal robes. She put on her robe, don't she means she put on royal robes. Just in case you think I'm talking about physical clothes, we've got spiritual royal robes. The Bible talks about spiritual clothes. Listen, Esther, the only access into the presence was because of the royal robes, first of all, that she had. The presence of the king because of royal robes. Listen, the only reason she had royal robes because of her connection to the king. It was the king that gave her the royal robes. And that's why she could put royal robes in and come into his presence. Listen, we have a king on his throne. And as I says, he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has arrayed me with a robe of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I.e., our old dirty sinful nature had to go and we come in because he gave us his righteousness. He imputed his righteousness. And the only reason we can come into the presence of God because of the robe of righteousness that Jesus won for us. That was only a wedding garment, so to speak, as the bride of Christ. He also gave us new clothes that we should be living on. We have to choose to wear them now. Colossians 3 and 8 says this, But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deed, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. Ouch. And above all, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. I.e., before Christ came into my life and gave me that robe of right, I couldn't help but do all the other stuff. But he gave me something that I can put on every day to do what he has asked me to do. I can put off the old anger, the malice, and I can put on kindness. I can put on long something. I can put on the stuff that God wants me to do. See, the problem, in the natural, I'm sure many of you get new clothes at Christmas as gifts and presents. It just happens. It's a good time to get new clothes and presents. Okay, what happens is that even though we get new clothes and presents, we don't throw the old ones out very much. They can, they can hang around. Okay? They can hang around instead of replacing that they're alongside us. So we can still choose to wear the old or choose the new. But spiritually, when Christ came into life, the idea was to get rid of all the old and just keep the new that he gave us. But we still choose to live the old way but we don't need to. There was a time we couldn't help it, but God has given you new clothes, a new spirit that you can wear. But you need to choose to do it. Esther chose to put on her royal robes. And then she chose to draw near. The trouble we have with followers of Jesus, we've still got a mindset. She found favor. We think we don't deserve God to bless me. I'm not good enough. If only people, if only God knew what I'd done yesterday, what I thought even today, never mind yesterday. 
Pastor Jim even knew what I was thinking now, listen to him. No, don't go there. How can I? I don't deserve any favor from God. Well, you're right and you're wrong. You're right, you don't deserve anything from God. But favor is him giving us what we don't deserve. But because of Jesus, you get it. Esther, all she'd done is recognize there's a problem here and I can fix it. I'm going to connect with the king. You know, it's amazing what we do by deciding there's something that concerns me, I'm going to go to the king. And she found favor. You know, Jesus in Luke 4.18 quoted the Old Testament and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Listen, we are living in favor. We live, third day is living in the favor and the grace of God. What happens here, the king extended to Esther the golden scepter which was in his hand. That was a symbol of his power, of his authority. Esther just put on her royal robes and stood kindly about where the king was. But the king then extended to Esther the scepter, the power, the invitation to come. It's a symbol, this is my power, this is my authority. I'm extending it to you, and I'm extending an invitation to come closer, to draw in. Up to now, Esther done right. She'd closed herself in royal robes. I should put on what needed to go and take into the presence of the king. But that wasn't enough. The king even reaching out the scepter wasn't enough. Esther had to draw near. Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. Listen, on the third day of the feast, on the 19th day of the feast, King Jesus is holding out his scepter of power and authority and invitation to come and touch, to come and touch. You know, we sing a note about him touching us, and I get that. But James 4 and 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Esther had to take a step of draw near. And sometimes we talk about, oh, he touched me and all that, and the great songs and God touching me. But, you know, but there's time that he's always there. God's always there. King Jesus, our King of Kings, has always got his royal scepter out to us. His invitation to touch his power and authority is always there. There's times that though we sing, he touched me, he's waiting on us touching him. He's waiting on us drawing near and touching him. He's, you know, a time of prayer and fasting. It's not just a gimmick. It's not just something we do this every year. You know, there are many churches in Scotland who are doing this at beginning of praying and fasting. I'm believing God's going to honor that and do some great things in the nation. It happened last year and it's happening again this year. But you know, we need to draw near. And prayer and fasting is setting aside time and saying, God, I'm coming before you to hear your voice, to touch your power and authority so that something can change in my world. She needed to draw near. She had to take a step 
And listen, our King of Kings is extending his authority, his power, his scepter, his invitation. And he's saying, come. I've given you that robe of righteousness. You're welcome. You're not going to burn up and die in my presence. I'm welcoming you to come. But the onus is on us to draw near. I hope during January you're drawing near. Just spending time just drawing near and speaking to him and hearing his word and let him speak to you. It's a preparation time. It's a drawing near time. The king made the first move. Thank God Jesus made the first move. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But he's holding out his authority. We're putting him first. And it's our time. It's our time to draw near. The band are going to come up. That was quick, wasn't it? You maybe thought, no, it wasn't that quick. Didn't say I'm finished, I just said the band can come up. Living the third day means that we can live in the victory and the favor of God. It means we can dress our spirits the way that God wants us to dress. It means we can draw near and not be struck down by God. But what I love about Esther also is that she dreamed big. She heard the king ask him two questions, pertinent, important key questions. First one is, what is troubling you, Queen Esther? Today, in this place, although he already knows, he's asking you the same question. What's troubling you? What's troubling you? Because I want to tell you, if it's troubling you, it's troubling him. Because he cares about you. What's troubling you? He, tro- he cares for you that nobody else cares for you. But he wants you to tell him. Call to me and I'll answer you, Jeremiah says. But you can even whisper, whisper it to him. Esther was close enough just to whisper this. is my issue. It could be family, it could be health, it could be finance, it could be confusion, it could be state of the nation, it could be addiction, suicides, job issues, college pressures, peer pressure, career. But this morning, our King of Kings is asking you what's troubling you. What's troubling you today? And then he's asking you, what's your request? What do you want him to do about it? Even to the half of the kingdom, it should be given to you. That's incredible. It's limited, but incredible. But our King of Kings has no limits. His love has no measure, has it? His low limits, his grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, the old song says, he giveth and giveth and giveth and giveth and giveth and giveth and giveth etc 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 again today his power his love his grace his mercy has no limitations today Esther dream big saving my people but sorry the whole upshot what she asked was to save her people to save a nation you know 
I told you we were inspired this week. And we heard a few, or somebody particularly speaking about John Knox and his great prayer. I think uh, Pastor David shared about John Knox last week as well. Yeah. The Queen feared his prayers more than the armies of anybody else. But he prayed famously. Give me Scotland or I die. I had an adjustment to that this week as we collectively, as leaders from churches in Scotland, got together to pray, Give me Scotland before I die. Let us see Scotland one before we die. Let us see my street, my family, my nation one before I die. God, give us Scotland before we die. That's a big prayer. Esther was, save my people. Maybe your cries, something which is not as big as that. But Esther dreamed big with her prayer. When she got into the presence of the king and she touched the authority and the power that was there, her prayer was, I want to see my people saved. That was the upshot of what it was, if you know the story. But today, can we stand for a moment? Today is, first of all, two prayers. Our king is asking you, what is troubling you? Where you are, why don't you just tell him what's troubling you this morning? We'll take a moment, just tell him, what is it that's troubling you? this morning if it's troubling you he cares what's troubling you because I care he says what's your request because I can. What's troubling you? He cares. What's your request? He can this morning. There's nothing that's impossible to him. And I want us all just to respond wherever you are. You can whisper it to him. You can shout it to him. But this morning, he's asked you what's troubling you. And I trust you've told him. And he's speaking to you and says, if it's troubling you, I'm concerned and I want to do something about it. And now he's asking us, what's your request? This is not just a human king. This is the king of kings speaking to us this morning. It's a day of favor. We're living in the third day. We don't have to crawl and say, we're worthless, we're useless, we are. But he's made us children of the living God, the bride of Christ. And just as Hygerius, the king, was concerned about his queen, our saviour's concerned about his bride. And he's asking, what's your request this morning? I'm more than able to do it. Just take a moment, and there's a band of playing, just speak out your request if you can. 
whisper if you're too embarrassed, just whisper out your request. But King Jesus is saying this morning, what is it you want me to do for you? What's your request? I'm concerned. I can see it's troubling you. I can see it's concerning you. But I want and I can do something about this. Just let me know. So come on, let's take a moment and let's just speak. It might be for your nation. It might be for your family. It doesn't matter. What do you see? What do you want? It might be a personal thing. You might just need healing this morning. What is your request? He's asking you, what is your request? I'm here. I believe he's here to meet and answer your request this morning. Jesus Father God we come we are just a group of people here who who thank God that we've been to Calvary and we've come through and we're living in the resurrection life and power and authority of Jesus Christ and as a group of people, individually and collectively, we're drawing near this morning. We thank you that you're reaching out. King Jesus, you're reaching out your royal scepter, the symbol of your power, your authority, and you're inviting us to come and draw near. And today we are touching that power and that authority. We are pouring out our hearts and we're telling you what has troubled us. But Lord, hear our requests. Lord, hear the requests of our hearts this morning. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we're coming to the one. No matter what the request is, he is more than able. You rose victorious. Your name's above every name. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're the one to whom all authority has been given in heaven and on earth. And Lord, we pray this morning, every heart, you hear every request from the smallest to the greatest. And Father, we come before you and we say, King Jesus, King Jesus, King Jesus, let your authority rule and reign. Let your power rule and reign, Father God, in my life, in my family, in my street, in my town, in my nation, in our world, Father God. Lord King Jesus, come and rule and reign. And we cry to you with so many requests for healings, for salvation, for restoration, for provision. Lord, just for the state of what's going on in our world. Lord, we cry to you for peace in places that are torn with war, Father. God, for heartbreak, for anxious hearts and minds, Father God, for those, Lord, in our nation who are crying out right now, we pray, Father God, that you'll come, and Lord, we do cry for our nation, Father God, that you'll come again, Lord, and you'll come and you'll move and you'll save our nation, you'll cause a move of your spirit such that has never been seen before, Father God, and this nation will rise to worship and to praise you, Father God, that Scotland, Lord, will flourish, Lord God, not just Glasgow, but Scotland will flourish by the praising of your name, the preaching of your word, and the praising of your name, Father God. We cry for every request that's been made, every request in the heart, Father. We come before the King of Kings, and Lord, we hear you saying, what is your request? And Lord, we're telling you, and by faith, we're believing that you're going to do what only you can do. Hear our cries, hear our desperation, Father God. Lord, we have tried so many things, and we can't fix it. But Lord, but we know we come to the one who can. We come to the one to whom nothing is impossible. Lord, you read, you hear, and Lord, your heart is for us. Your heart is with us, Father God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we have a King who's not, who cares about us, who feels in our pain, Father, who empathizes, who knows what it's like to suffer. And we pray, Father God, Lord, that the things that are troubling us, you'll speak your peace and your power into. But Lord, 
thank you to answer to every answer of every quest that's been uttered right now in this house this morning. We believe the answer's on the way and we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who does it all in Jesus' name. Amen.